Hey there, my name is Jackie, and I am your host of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. Remember to visit homeschoolthinktank.com to learn more about how we serve homeschooling families. Also, if you check the link in the show notes below, you can get more information about anything that is mentioned in this episode. I hope you enjoy this episode about homeschooling and parenting, and be sure to check in on Mondays for our episode that is all about mindset. Today, I am interviewing Aditya Negrath with Elephant Learning, and this is an app for math. So I am super excited to ask all the questions and find out more about it. So Aditya, would you tell us a little bit about yourself, what Elephant Learning is and how you got started with that? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So um I have a PhD in math computer science, and uh, I was an engineer, I'd say for about uh, 16 years, maybe 20 years, um, and I've been a software engineer for almost 30 years now, been doing software for 30 years. And basically, I met with a professor of mine who uh, had some research they had done with the Toyota Foundation, where they had looked at I think uh, the most effective ways that children are learning mathematics conceptually, which really means uh, the language of mathematics uh, and, and tying that together with algorithms that can adapt. And so like uh, what it really was, was that he, we, we were looking at creating a company that could potentially like change the world somehow. So we were looking at, um, ideas like uh, double or triple bottom line companies. So like, I'll tell you kind of the story where, which makes it make sense. So there's this company out there called the plastic bank. And I had uh, listened to this gentleman speak and basically what he said was that he had seen on TV that there's plastic out in the Pacific ocean. That's the size of Texas. And so what he did was he devised a plan where people pick it up in India as it washes ashore and they deposit it in the plastic bank. And then they basically create a margin uh, between the recycle price, uh, you know, shipping it back, recycle it, and what they pay. But that amount that they were paying uh, the people to pick it up in India happened to be more than what they would earn in the shops. So like, there was an incentive now for people to go and pick up the plastic and deposit in the plastic bank, and then they're able to recycle it for a profit. But there's a measurable bottom line to the environment, uh, the societal impact, the economic impact, and then the bottom line of the company was a $200 million company. And what I thought was interesting about this was that everything was sort of lined up with, uh, with the impact that it was having. So it's kind of like, here's a mission that maybe a government or a nonprofit would typically take on, but a for-profit business did it. And it ends up working because they just built the system in such a way that the organization could survive. So anyway, what my professor told me that day was that four out of five children start kindergarten unprepared for the kindergarten curriculum and I had a hard time believing that I asked him what does that mean and what he said was that kindergarten uh, believes counting to 10 is give me 10 things and the child is able to slide over 10 things and stop on 10 um, but most parents believe counting to 10 is just saying the numbers one through 10 and so like the difference there is in the understanding of the actual language so there's this gap of language that starts at kindergarten which then basically widens over time. So, and this also happens completely along income lines 
because basically the top 20% income earners send their children to preschool and in preschool, children meet the standard then of counting to 10. So when they enter kindergarten, they are prepared. But if you look at this as time goes on, it's only the top 20% income earners for which uh, the schooling system appears to work because the percentile at which you enter the education system seems to be the percentile at which you exit with only the top income earners lines kind of trending up. So everyone else is sideways to down. And it makes perfect sense when you think about it because what they're basically saying is that the education system works if the student comes in and understands the teacher. And there's very little movement in between those lines. So there's not a lot of students catching up. I, the, the students learn the language as they go through because they're still having the experiences. Like they join a soccer team. You gotta know how to count to keep score. So like everything comes together but they're years behind what the teacher is talking about. And so therefore the things that are being taught in the classroom turn into how do I do this memorization? Uh, and, you know, can I, can I get to proficiency? You know, at a certain point we start to hold children back. We don't tend to hold them back in kindergarten, first, second grade, around third grade. Now we might say you don't meet proficiency, but at this point you've had a, fairly large jump in the concepts that you're teaching when you're moving from addition to multiplication in that if a student doesn't understand what addition is, there's no way that they're going to get multiplication. Anyway, at that point, I think I saw uh, the alignment coming together for how could we start a business that could address this problem and at the same time, you know, provide value to parents, provide value to teachers and schools. And so what we did was we put together this program and I mean, it's five years later, we've had 148,000 uh, students uh, placed within our placement exam, and uh, we've taught over 160,000 years of mathematics. Oh, wow. So I'm thinking of everything from the perspective of a homeschooling parent. So some homeschooling parents did send their kids to school and then they bring them back. Some never send their kids to school. Some homeschool their kids for a while and then send them to school. There's all sorts of mixes in there. But as a parent, what I'm thinking is, how can what you have help my child learn better math skills? That's the bottom line. I just want to help my kid. What can I do as a parent to help my child? What is elephant learning? What makes it different from other math programs? So can you answer some of those questions? Absolutely. And I'm glad you asked. Um, so like basically what we built to address this problem is we we took the essential language of mathematics from counting through algebra and we sort of left out the other topics, assuming that either the school would fill it in or the homeschool parent would fill it in or whoever would fill it in. But we combined that with this idea. So like when we were building this, actually, my first child had just been born and um Sure. I have a question for you before you go on, because I want to make sure we're on the same page here. Uh -huh. Essential language of mathematics. That phrase to you, I think, holds more meaning than it might to some people, but I'm not sure. I, it could just mean adding, subtracting. What does that phrase mean? The essential language of mathematics? Yeah, I mean, I think it's the, the fundamental language that we're talking about. So first, you have to be able to understand the quantities then you got to start to understand the ideas of more or less. Um, you want to be able to understand the numbers from different perspectives, like the number line, uh, 
um, quantities, et cetera, right? So like when we're talking about fractions, we add an area. Uh, and like, so like these ideas, as we're thinking about them as human beings, we're trying to visually and experientially, probably more importantly, represent those concepts for the child so that then they have the experience and they have some language around it. That way, as a teacher or a parent is speaking with the child with the language they're familiar with, the child has had the experience to understand the teacher. And that's ultimately kind of what it is. Like I compare it to the colors. So like when you're teaching your child red, you got to show them a lot of red things. And then they got to be able to discern that you're speaking about the color visually. With mathematics, what's happening is you're exhibiting the idea in your head. The idea of more is the idea that there's a, a higher quantity, right? And the idea of less is that there's fewer, right? So that this is something that like is visual, but maybe is tactile is maybe like you have to experience it. You have to experience, give me more, count it again. And once you've got that comfort with that stuff, then they start to progress on. But essentially we looked at as mathematicians, right? I got a PhD in mathematics and the other guy was a professor of mathematics. We looked at what we thought would give the student the language to be able to catch up, right? Because if you're dealing with a lot of students that are behind, what I'd like to do is I'd like to be able to take a third grader that might be struggling, but at least give them the language so that they could participate in third grade since that's where they are. They're not really going to go back. That's outstanding. Okay. So. But you know what else is important, especially Uh for the homeschool parent is that we added the coaching in. So like my first child was on the way when we were building this. And I thought about what would I need if I were going to do this with my child. And so as we're detecting the level of your student, we've combined that with the training that would be given to teachers on the most effective ways to teach that concept. And we do it in layman language, along with activities that you can do with your student outside of the system to reinforce that language. And the idea is, is that no matter what you're working on, um, you're going to be able to fill in the rest once the student has the core language. So to give you an example, teaching a child money is a lot more challenging if they don't have the basic languages around numbers and addition. And it's a lot simpler once they have that, because now you're just talking about quantities of dollars versus quantities of airplanes. Okay. So can you give me an example of a lesson, something that parents can just wrap their minds around just a micro example? Yeah. So like, one of the ways we might be introducing addition is give me five items, give me four more items. How many do I have now? And of course they can count to get the answer and they're dragging the items onto the screen and they can move them around and arrange them however makes sense to them. And that's kind of like an easy lesson, something that you might be doing in the grocery store with the, with the child anyway, but like we're doing it in a structured manner that is going to quickly accelerate them towards higher uh, or more challenging concepts. Yeah. And a, structured and sequential manner that just has logic behind it. So let's say a child is in third grade, but they really have first grade skills. Does your program help them catch up? And when you're doing the program, my other question is, I was, I was on your website and I was reading a little bit that you have the child take like a placement test in a sense first and then, so I guess in my mind, what I'm thinking, if a child is 
learning to add, but they're nine years old, their examples that they like are going to be different than what a six-year-old likes. So does it sort of automatically adjust that or are all the questions the same regardless of the age of the child? Okay, so what we do is, yeah, first they start in a placement exam. And actually, we had an entire classroom of exactly the situation that you spoke about. It was a refugee um, after-school program in Oklahoma, Tulsa, Oklahoma. And a lot of the students were about eight or nine years old, and a lot of them tested in at the six-year-old level on the placement exam. So the placement exam was designed to start behind the student and catch up to them. Um, And in a third grade exam, we might start like at the top end of addition, but like some of these students were right on the edge and they took the first grade exam. And then a lot of these students were in the third grade exam and they came out very quickly. But the idea was, was that they tested in and they were able to basically catch up to their age within three months. And the way we do it is that all of the activities are the same. We're always trying to provide the activities based on the level of the student but we let the student choose different characters so they could choose characters that are more age appropriate. And also the avatars that are on the front screen, like we just have a little avatar to represent the student. We used to do photos, but not a lot of people were using it. And then we thought, why even take the risk of having student photos up on the internet? (laughs) So um, if you're not going to use it, it, but basically the system ages with the student and we designed it for ages two and up. So like the last set of games that were made were intended for teenagers and Basically, if someone calls and complains, we raise the age. (laughs) Okay, gotcha. (laughs) So it's it's pretty simple. Yeah. All right. So what other things should we know about elephant learning and how you teach math? Also, is it common core? Some parents love that. I think most homeschooling parents probably don't. I don't, you know, everybody's different. Yeah. What... And does it align with national standards? All of those types of things. Right. So let me talk about that. Cause like, uh, I think there's a lot of confusion about it. uh, And I think there is a lot of, of, of like anxiety around common core very specifically. Um, So like common core is a standard, which means that like, it's got basically checklist items in it. Like, can the student do this? Can the student do that? Et cetera. Right. Now, our, I, don't, I don't say that our system is common core, and the reason why is because typically where it's implemented, the implementation is potentially just confusing to the parent, which removes the parent from the equation. And in all studies done, wherever you can involve the parent, the outcomes are better. So like, if you remove the parent, the outcome is worse. But at the end of the day, like the standard says, counting to 10, slide over 10 things and stop on 10. And all standards have that, right? And so because we're covering what is the essential language of mathematics, we're actually compatible with all curriculums and standards because all curriculums and standards are going to have a line item for counting to 10 or adding to 20, these types of things. And so like we've cross-referenced it with Common Core for the teachers or if the homeschool parent needs it, we, we have it in certain places, but we don't really reference it. And ultimately, uh, we could go back and pay someone to go in and put all of the cross-references for all of the standards sort of worldwide and differentiate it. But that seems like a lot of work for no real benefit right now. So yeah. we're just going to delay that until, <laughs> until yeah. it makes sense to us. Uh, the bottom line is, are you helping kids <laughs> and, and learn right. math skills? 
And it seems to me that I think a lot of parents might actually like this curriculum. I haven't used it. Um, I'm definitely eager to hear from others who have listened or, or whose children have used it. So if you're listening to this podcast, watching this video and your kids have used Elephant Learning, reach out to me. I'd love to interview you because that that really helps parents understand from a parent's perspective what it's like. So is there a trial period with with your program? We used to have a three-day trial period, uh, though someone told us to get rid of it. And we're going to probably bring something back. Okay. Uh, though what they recommended to us because of the way it's being implemented, it's being implemented through the, uh, the merchant, which means uh -huh. then that you got to put the credit card in first. And so then basically what we've been told by consultants is when you put your credit card into a website, you've assumed that you paid, which is basically the feeling I have too. So we said, okay, so now, right now, what we're doing is what they recommended, which was a 30 day risk-free trial, which is that if any day, any time within the first 30 days, you say, this isn't for us. We'll just, we'll just let you out. Uh, and, I think yeah. they'll send you an email saying, if you want to be a, like, get on a phone call with the results counselor. So we could try to provide some coaching because mm -hmm. that's ultimately goal. But other than that, the results counselor will give you the refund. Okay. That's easy. That's fair enough. You know, there's really no risk there. So if a parent is interested in this, I'll have a link in the show notes below that will direct you to where you need to go to learn everything about it. So that'll be helpful. But I guess I really just, I sort of want parents to know about this. I've seen enough ads about it myself because I am targeted with all the homeschooling ads. <laughs> if, if so, you know, I get it all. And this curriculum is definitely something that intrigued me. And part of it was because it's definitely geared toward helping kids catch up is sort of what I took from it and that you could learn what do your ads say? I think it, if I recall, like so many years of math and a few months or something like that, how does that go? Yeah, sure. So basically when we first started, we did a research study on the first 50 students and we didn't really publish it because I mean, what's the big deal? <laughs> and what we found out was that on average, children in our system were learning about a year and a half of math and they were using it about 22 minutes per week. So we said, okay, what if we increase the usage to 30 minutes per week and the number of weeks to three months? And we say, learn one year of math in three months. That sounds you know, already extraordinary, but they were actually doing more than that on average. And um, we just released a research study of 57,000 students on average, they use it just under 40 minutes per week. They learned almost 1.67 years of math. Um, not almost, that's what it was. <laughs> and um, and uh, they used it 13 weeks, so a little over three months, one week over three months. Say those numbers and, again, I want to write them down. And I think the listener sure. will want to hear it again too. Um, so on average, children learned 1.67 years of math. It was just under 40 minutes per week. And it was uh, 13 weeks on average in the system. And so like, this is basically, we, we examined anyone that used it more than five weeks and more than one hour. So like less than required and just said, average up the numbers and let's see what we get. And that's what we got. I'm sort of wishing I would have interviewed you earlier in the summer and put this out about June <laughs> because I can see where a parent could really use this to help their children, even if they don't homeschool their kids over the course of a summer to help their kids not only retain, but maybe catch up or 
even potentially get ahead, quote unquote, a little bit so that they have an easier start the following year, because especially with the pandemic, you know, a lot of (laughs) it, whether if your kids were in school, even if you kept them in public school, there was a lot missed because teachers were not prepared to just go online all of a sudden. And, you know, a there were, there were a lot of struggles, but there are all sorts of reasons kids have challenges from illness to moving to maybe their own just self-talk, negative self-talk that gets in the way. Maybe they had some bad experiences early on and they just carry that on. There are a lot of reasons that kids fall behind, so to speak. And I I think this is an excellent opportunity to help your kids catch up, get ahead, do whatever they need to do to sort of get on grade level. And, you know, there are times when homeschooling parents struggle with teaching their kids. I've gone through this myself where we use various curriculum over the years. And at some point I went to, we got to take this out of my hands because the way I think and the way my kids think is different. And now I'm not getting the fact that this is a totally hands-off approach for the parents. It's like parents do need to be involved. Am I right? So it's very minimal. And like, that's the thing is when we average these 57,000 students, most of this happened in their, in their home. So like, that's why we have some like random classrooms over the past several years that we, we went into to see like in a controlled environment, what happens And what we find is that students might get to a certain spot and then they're going to have troubles with the language. And honestly, when you're talking about like, you know, as a homeschool teacher, like the struggle, like working with your student, the struggle boils down to is that there's a there's a misunderstanding or miscommunication. So you're not getting through on the basic idea. So that's this is where that language ends up helping. And so, like, for example, uh, one of the spots in our system where we've seen some hang ups, my my son had a a hang up here which is that like uh, towards the end of the addition subtraction curriculum, uh, we're doing things like put, you know, 11 things in the left region, put 19 things in the right region, which region has more, which region has fewer, how many more does it have? How many few? So now this language of how many more, right? That's going to the idea of the difference and, and you need to use subtraction to solve it, right? Now, if you just give them the solution, you say, oh, I just subtract these two. Now you've given them a mnemonic that's going to get them onto the next stage, which may not facilitate that understanding. So we provide the coaching around, like if you work with them in this way. So I, we, in the end, actually define difference to him. He had heard me say it, but like my child doesn't listen to me. <laughs> so like we brought in his teacher and his teacher, she said, you need to know the difference. And then she left. And so now he's paying attention. So like, I really worked with him on like, this is what difference means. And then once he got that, he started to understand how many more, how many fewer, et cetera. And so like, yeah, there's some places where you might need to step in, but there's some places where, um, you know, the student maybe has heard that outside of the system, how many more, how many fewer. So that language is not throwing them off as much. They're able to figure it out. They're able to continue on. And so like, it really depends on the student. And then that's where like our system really helps is that like, if we detect a struggle, we're going to email you, we're going to email you with the coaching videos on the why method. Um, we have those also available within the app. Uh, we also have things like on math anxiety. So if we're detecting math anxiety, 
then we might start sending you the emails on like how to work with math anxiety. Really, our mission when we got started was empower children with mathematics. You got to remember, this is two PhD mathematicians that just love math that are just saying, how do we do the right thing to get students to also enjoy math, to also understand. And I mean, the thing is, is that mathematics just happens to be extremely useful. It's just like everyone's asking, where are we going to use this? But the thing is, is that the people that are using it are using it so subconsciously that they're not even going to look at you and tell you. Mm -hmm. I love this. So your system automatically picks up when your kid's having trouble and it just emails the parent. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's right, because yeah. then, because I, every parent's been there, you're paying attention, but something, whatever you quit paying attention for a while. And then you look back again, you're like, Oh, credits. They've been doing the same lesson over and over. And they're just not getting past it. But an email in my inbox is like, wake up, you know, as opposed to just constant checking in, you know, it's a, it's a warning light that to, yeah. because like, if they're, if they're off on their own, so smart. It, sometimes you don't. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, I only cared about the result. <laughs> like I just, I yeah. know if I can provide you with the, with the math understanding, we have parents that come back and write on our Facebook page that like this, this student has gone back to the classroom and enjoys math class. I mean, even at homeschool, the enjoyment's going to come when they understand what you're talking about. If they don't yeah. understand what you're talking about, it's not going to be fun. But that's the thing is like math class actually becomes fun. Any class becomes fun if you can understand what's happening. So then this is awesome. I, you've, you've said a few things that really piqued my curiosity here that I didn't realize. So you send these emails, but then you said you provide some sort of coaching where it, it's like a video that help me understand it. Is it like a video that goes to the parent and says, maybe help your kid in this way or what? So specifically, uh, what it is, is if you turn off the elephant age, we know for sure that there's some anxiety around mathematics playing. And so we start sending you the emails. But within the system, there's a parent coaching section, which is where you can schedule with the results counselor. So we're now doing two potential meetings per month. They're optional. You still get the guarantee, but you'll meet with someone who's going to try to help. So like, if you don't want to run the Y method, we'll run the Y method for you so you can see the example run. But we'll also provide you or the student with coaching. Look, almost half of first and second graders report math anxiety. Half of Americans report math anxiety. But the statistics are showing that 75% of high school students are not proficient in high school mathematics. And that hasn't changed. That's like the 2007 statistic was 72%. 2019 was 75%. I haven't looked since then. But the thing is, is that like, Okay, so if three quarters of the students are not proficient, they had some challenge with understanding, it's actually kind of more than 50%. 50% that are reporting, it's probably closer to the 75%, and it's just that 25% flip in with the fight attitude towards math. And I think basically then what it is for us is that like we have to create healthy attitudes around mathematics for that student so that then they do have a system in which they can persevere and that's ultimately maybe the, the hardest challenge for us because we know if the student puts the time in, they will get the result. That's measurable. But if the student doesn't put the time in, they're not going to get the result. And so that's why we got to create the attitude around it. And what ultimately what we found out, and I'm happy to give this to parents for free, because again, if you can go out there and you can, you can cause your child 
to, to start to participate. I mean, it just helps everybody at the end of the day. Um, is this, is that we've started to compare what we're doing to basketball. So like the ball either goes in the hoop or doesn't. And it's the student's job to shoot the ball. You can't shoot the ball for the students. See, with math, we can cheat. We can shoot the ball for the students by giving them a mnemonic or solving it for them or giving them the answer. But that, at the end of the day, doesn't help the student do it. In fact, it causes more, uh, uh, more lack of confidence, more anxiety around it because you're doing it and I'm not doing it. So I don't believe I can do it. I believe you can do it. And I believe you're going to be here to help me as I continue to do this. And in reality, what we got to do is we got to get the student to take the shot. Now we can give them pointers around it. And that's what the why method is. Is like, can you help me understand why you believe what you believe? And now you're going to hear what they don't understand. And you're going to be able to either give them a hint or you're going to be able to clarify the language. Okay, so now you clarify the language and they go back out there and take shots. The, the ball starts going in and they believe they can do it. And that's ultimately what it boils down to is like, can we get the student to believe they can do it? And the only way I can do that is to myself believe that they can do it. Whereas like, if you don't believe that you can do it, then you don't believe that they can do it. And now you're faking believing they can do it. And it comes out in the language. So like, for example, this is hard. It's okay to be frustrated because this is hard. It's okay to be frustrated. I'm frustrated when the ball doesn't go in the hoop sometimes. And guess what? I just shoot again. That's what I do. So like, <laughs> it's the next shot mentality. It's actual coaching. I just saw that on the Netflix thing, the, uh, the movie with uh, Brad Pitt, where he was like, it's the next shot. That's, uh -huh. what, that's what it is. It wasn't Brad Pitt. It was Adam Sandler. I messed that uh, up. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. You're talking my language now. So I, I sort of doubt that you've listened to a lot of podcasts because I think you're pretty busy in your own business and that's okay. Uh, but I am working on becoming a life coach. Like I'm getting my certification around it. So, and I was actually going to ask you, what is the why method? But I think you described it, but let me see if I understand it. Why do you believe what you believe about this problem? Is that basically what the why method is? Okay, basically so what it is. You, you go ahead and let them answer. So genius. And and so like they could, they're going to answer potentially incorrectly because you've seen them missing. We show you actually on the history screen. Do they, do they answer correctly or incorrectly? And then you can hit try. So you can try it yourself, but then you try it with them. You let them answer incorrectly. Then you say, well, why do you think that's the right answer? And when they tell you, then you'll be able to see what is the misunderstanding in the language and clear it up. Or many times there's a hint. There's like, oh, like if I give them this hint. So like the hint's nice because then they still put the ball in the hole, but they feel like they did it. Yeah. And I love this because you're actually getting to the root of the problem by asking them what they think. You know, I did not do that as a parent teaching my child math, like did not do that. That could have prevented so many tears. So many just asking, why do you think that? Because they have their own way of thinking and it doesn't necessarily match mine. And there can be two different ways to get to the right answer or more. And well, that's okay. It's a societal context around wow. what is mathematics. And if we look at mathematics as how do you do it, then what we're speaking to the student about is how do you do it, right? And that can vary, right? Because like you said, like there's multiple ways to get to the same answer. All of them are valid. That's the whole thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. but if we approach it rather from the perspective of do they understand it, Right? Do they understand the language behind it? Now, contextually, I'm going to take a completely different approach towards it 
And honestly, the approach is going to be that much more effective because the student themselves is engaged in the problem solving. So like, if I understand what addition is, and then you, you show me carry the one, I'm like, well, that makes sense because I went over 10. So I need another 10, right? Like I need to add one more, right? It makes sense. And now that procedure makes sense. And like, I've integrated it. I've integrated because like, this is a, a brand new way to solve this other problem where I was counting before. And now I don't have to count. Counting takes mm-hmm. a lot of time. But yeah. if you don't have the understanding of what addition is, sure, you can memorize how to do this. Mm-hmm. And like, you can move on to the next step. But ultimately, and like, this is what we see, this is what all the statistics show, when you get to algebra, and we throw in that variable, and now we start to have higher level conversations. If you don't have that understanding, it makes no sense. Yeah. So speaking of when you get to algebra or higher mathematics, I know <laughs> many homeschooling parents can sort of get up in their head about, oh, I wasn't good at math and freeze up and like, how am I going to help my kid? And especially, I think, especially if you haven't been homeschooling the whole time, let's say for whatever reason, you're bringing your kid out of the public school system or private school and bringing them home but maybe a parent has a lot of anxiety around that. Do you offer services to that offer more one-on-one for kiddos who need extra help? Yeah. So like, I mean, this is what we've just integrated is that we, we will meet with you twice per month. And if you want more, we could charge you $50 per session. Typically it's unnecessary. Typically the software itself is getting the result. This is just a new thing that we added in because it's like, well, how can you guarantee it? Or like some parents who didn't get the result, they come back on Facebook and they complain, we didn't get the result. And you go look and it's like, oh, maybe it wasn't set up correctly. Or maybe they got to a a certain point and they could have used some coaching. And it's like, okay, so like, fine, why don't we step in? And then it's like 100%, right? Then like, oh, how can you say 100% to it? Because we're talking to you. That's how. (laughs) I love that because you know what, this is something I always say is no curriculum was created for your child. So it doesn't, every curriculum for a child, it doesn't matter what curriculum you choose. You're going to have road bumps because it wasn't created specifically for your kid. So when parents do reach out to you, I love that you are coming up with solutions to those problems that you're trying to help navigate something if they did have a road bump. So that like, I think the best way to think about it is like, again, the colors, because like when the students learning the colors, they didn't get it on the first try. Right. I mean, it's impossible to get it on the first try. There's going to be a couple of places where the student uh, will struggle a little bit and that's totally okay. The ball doesn't go in the hoop every single time. And that's where like when you yourself have that math anxiety and you got to take a couple of deep breaths yourself and tell yourself, hey, I can do this. You know what? Like we don't uh, discriminate by age. I, I'm losing the word. I'm going to use discriminate by age. You can come into the system and say you're any age you want and we'll, we'll accept you as a student. It's just choosing where does the placement exam start for you so that it's best for you. And like the thing is, is I don't believe that this language is beyond anyone. I don't. When I figured out that we're just talking about a language, it's jargon. In the business world, we have our own jargon. Every single company has its own jargon and we have to teach it to the people coming in the door. So I know everyone can learn jargon and I don't believe that this jargon is beyond everyone. I think that 
you can do this. You just have to want to. And I love this. I also love that you said you don't discriminate based on age. So if there's a parent who feels like they're weak in math and they want to up their game, they could sign up themselves That's right. and yeah. continue to learn and grow, which I just pretty much think is awesome. <laughs> so, you know what? I loved interviewing you. Do you have anything you would like to add as we wrap up? No, I'm, I'm pretty happy unless you have any last questions. <laughs> All right. If you are interested in learning more about elephant learning, check the link in the show notes below. You can go to homeschoolthinktank.com slash interviews and you will find elephant learning on that page. And I do appreciate it when you use the links that we provide. Thank you so much. I want to say thank you for listening to the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, I'd like to ask you to take a moment to follow this podcast and share it with a friend. Remember to check the show notes for a link to the article that corresponds with this podcast episode. In this article, we'll include any links that we mentioned in this episode. And remember that you can search all of the Homeschool Think Tank Parenting Podcast episodes at homeschoolthinktank.com.